Hello and welcome to the 1-106 of a second photography podcast. So I'm talking with Samuel Lintaro and he is a street photographer based in Hamburg, Germany and he has a YouTube channel and an Instagram channel and I'm not going to say what those are. I'm going to put them in the show note description so you can click on his channels and have a look but I'm going to be talking to Samuel today about a whole variety of issues, street photography, social media, YouTubing, etc. And Samuel, can you just give our listeners uh, a bit of introduction to you, what you do, and where they can find you? Yeah, so my name is Samuel. Um, I also have a second name, which people know me better in Germany with, and that is Lintaro. It's a Japanese name. And I, w- I was also born in Japan, but I have a German father, and so I'm half Japanese, half German, and I live in Hamburg. And I'm a filmmaker, I have a small film production company, and I do street photography on the side. People can find me on Instagram at lin.taro or on my YouTube channel, Samuel uh, Street Life. Thank you so much. We're going to talk today about uh, a variety of things. We're going to talk today about street photography, YouTubing, uh, maybe a bit about social media. It's, it's not really a, a structured talk. It's not a single topic. We're just having a chat, really, because we, we've tried to do this for some time. So we're just going to have a chat. Samuel, why do you like street photography? There are so many things. Um, first, I really like the challenge of it. I did some uh, documentary photo work in the past, and I always enjoyed real authentic stories. And street is, you know, it's as authentic as it gets when you do street photography. And I like the challenge. Yeah, I like that um, it's never the same. Uh, every day is different. And yeah, I just like the challenge. You see, for me, I like doing portrait work and I like doing, you know, portraits and, and things with people in. E- even though I'm a bit of an introvert, actually, it's quite interesting that I like to photograph people more than anything else. I also like to do street photography. Now, it's sometimes easier Yes, it's challenging to get good street images, but for me, it's sometimes easier to go out and do some street photography because I can do it on my own time scale. I don't have to organize things with anyone else. It's often easier than organizing a portrait shoot or doing a portrait shoot. I can just go out and I can do it and it can be cheaper as well. And it is so much more difficult because it's so unpredictable. You can't control things. You've got this ap- apprehension about st- about doing street photography. What attracted to me initially was the challenge, and after that, I've just I've just really really enjoyed street photography. Some of my tips for street photography: the biggest tip for me is traveling light and using a small camera, whether that be a mobile phone, some compact, a very small mirrorless camera, or DSLR. I find traveling light puts you in the right mindset enables you to get better images than walking around with a big bulky dslr what are your thoughts on that sam yeah i agree definitely um yeah in the past i had a big 5d mark ii and i never used it for street photography but um when i traveled i always put it in my bag just to have a proper camera but i also had the ricoh gr for a while and i never took out my 5d so i see the value of having a small compact camera um, for traveling and yeah for street photography i think it's the same the less you carry with you the more time you have to um to walk or the the longer you can walk and yeah people are not that intimidated if you have just a small compact camera so i think it's uh, has a lot of benefits and the quality is i mean right now compact cameras have really good quality so there's no issue 
of having a small compact camera instead of a big DSLR. I think people can sense when you've got a DSLR and or or a bigger camera. No one bats an eyelid if someone takes out a mobile phone and takes a picture, and they'll quite happily people are quite happily walk into walk through the shot or or be there. Compact camera pe- people do sort of notice, but a DSLR people definitely notice, and particularly in the UK where I live. People just think the worst if you're out photographing them. People don't think, oh, he's clearly into street photography and he's just, I just happen to be in the scene or I'm doing something interesting. They just think the worst. And that apprehension creeps into your work. You think, oh, I don't really want to get the, the big camera out. I'll just, you know, I'd be, I'm, I'm more comfortable using a smaller camera, definitely. Yeah, sure. And this also reminds people of um, a paparazzi or a journalist. So they assume that you're maybe, yeah, doing something for a magazine or newspapers. It works the other way. If I turn up to a portrait shoot and I get out a compact camera, the person I'm doing the portrait shoot with is going to have a look of disbelief on their face. I'm planning Mm. to do something for my YouTube channel where, and this is not the podcast YouTube channel, this is another YouTube channel I run. I'm going to try and do a portrait shoot with an iPhone, an old iPhone as well, to see if I can do it. And I just know whoever I get to be my portrait subject is going to say, hold on, you're using an iPhone to take my portrait. <laughs> Whereas I think people have this expectation that a DSLR means, oh, they're serious, they're pro. You don't necessarily want that to come across in your street photography because in your street photography, you don't want to be noticed. So I've I've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about sort of my approach and a couple of my tips. Other tips, I think, are you need to avoid being creepy no one likes creepy do they so if someone if someone clocks you you need to just walk over and say this oh sorry i was was just taking this image do you want to see it you weren't in it you were in it i really liked your expression and explain yourself rather you want to run away and hide and just get out of there but you just come across as creepy and that obviously will raise people's suspicions so I think the best thing is to blend in and not be noticed, but that's not always possible. So if you are sort of caught, I think you need to just explain yourself. I think you need to have reasonable expectations. You won't always go out and get those killer images. You might take a couple of hours and get nothing, but you've got to be patient. So those are sort of my tips. What are your tips for doing street photography or what are your thoughts? I would say don't put too much pressure on yourself because... The fun of street photography is really to let life unfold in front of you. Because with portrait photography, for example, you get a model, you find a location, and then you think about um, different poses and the composition and stuff like that. But on the street, you should give it more time. So when I started uh, with street photography, the beginning, I was a bit frustrated um, after a few days because I couldn't really get the shots I uh, wanted to get. And, but that's normal. Um, Like you said, um, sometimes you have a whole day of shooting and you come home and have nothing. And, um, but that's totally normal. And now it's, if I have one good shot of the day, then uh, I'm pretty happy. If you go out every day, then you theoretically have 365 good images in a year. So that's a good quote, I guess. One thing I've noticed by looking at your YouTube channel is you feature thing street photography where you're traveling do you try and build in street photography to your sort of everyday life so if you're working in a different country Mm. 
you're going to nip out and try and do some street photography. Yeah, that's really the benefit of traveling for work because you get to see other places and the challenge is to find the time to really go out and shoot. And um, I always try to go out and maybe record a little video for my channel because I don't usually get the chance to travel just for myself, just for fun. Yeah, so I try to combine that. If I travel, then I try to at least take some photographs. Yeah, and then again, it helps to have a compact camera uh, with you. If you were doing street photography today, straight after this, what would you yeah. take with you? What would you do and where would you go? Um, if you are talking about Hamburg, then um, I ha first I have to find the motivation because I, I struggle a lot um, with doing street photography in my hometown and that has many reasons. And one is that uh, Germany has really strict privacy laws and it's kind of a gray zone here. So um, I feel not as comfortable as doing street photography uh, in other countries. So there's that. But I usually say to myself, um, I just do it because I want to express myself. And this is, for me, street photography is an art, an art form. And I don't want any laws to, yeah, take this away from me, you know. Just try to be mindful about it and respect people's privacy as much as I can. If I would do it today, uh, yeah, we'll probably bring my um, Fuji X100F, which I'm using mainly for street photography. And yeah, I start with searching for um, really busy areas. Like we have uh, around the central station in Hamburg, it's usually really busy every day. So I start somewhere where I can just warm up. Yeah, farmer's markets are also a good place to warm up because people are more friendly than in the city during uh, work hours. Yeah, then I just uh, see where it takes me. So I don't have really have a hotspot here. I try to always find uh, new streets, new corners, and just try to get lucky. I, I like that term warm up because I, I think that's needed, really. You need to, every time you do it, you sort of need to ease yourself in because it can be a challenge. I personally don't do street photography where I live. One, because mm. I live in a very small place. So I live in quite a close proximity to London and some other big cities, but I, I, I live in a small town, so there isn't anything going on. I have children and I wouldn't want people to sort of have a negative association with my photography and um, connect my photography to my children. So I don't want my children to be known as, oh, it's, it's that child with and her, and her dad takes pictures or his dad <laughs> takes pictures around town. I don't want that. So I would nip into london if i were doing street photography i'd actually go somewhere rather than do it in my hometown i think it's difficult to do it in my own hometown there's a bigger town near me and i hate it it's horrible i don't like it at all and i never go there so i went there to do some street photography because i didn't care what anyone thought of me in that place and i got some quite good images and i got some terrible images because it was my first go but i didn't mind cutting my teeth in somewhere I wasn't bothered about ever having to go again. I noticed you talked about you pick up the X100F when you go out. That's yeah. that's quite a small compact camera. I had the X1, the original X100, and I found it almost a bit too slow for street photography. How do you find using the X100F? Yeah, I heard about the previous models being slow, but I have no experiences uh, with them, so I don't know how uh, good of an a uh, good of an improvement the X100F is. I don't find it slow, but I don't use the autofocus uh, too much. Um, I like to zone focus a lot. Uh, so I use the back button, uh, focus button 
to pre-focus to a certain distance and try to keep it just with manual. Yeah, but uh, I think other than that, it's a really fast camera. The burst mode is also really useful. I don't have any problems with it. I Yeah, it's all about the autofocus, really. The rest is really uh, fast enough for me. And when you get home, do you edit your images or do you cons do you edit the raw images to uh, for your street photography? Or do you consider, I've taken it and that was what was there, so that's what the image is? A little bit of uh, everything you said, actually. Um, I always try to get it right in camera and I really like the JPEGs of the Fujifilm cameras. So I shoot JPEG and RAW and I usually end up um, exporting the JPEG file to my phone and edit, edit, edit them on my phone, really. I'm usually, usually, usually quite happy with the JPEG files, so I, I never really fiddle around the, with the RAW files. But sometimes I use Lightroom or Photoshop if I want to convert a color image to black and white. And yeah, but since I got the X100F, I really do most of my edit, uh, editing on my phone, which is uh, crazy. If you asked me a few years ago, I would say you're crazy because <laughs> I had to always edit the RAW files. But time has changed <laughs> i do most of my editing in lightroom and mm. i don't i don't do any retouching i generally change the composition so i will generally straighten things for for certain lines i will generally then put the image into black and white and i will generally increase the clarity and increase the contrast but i don't do that's really all so i don't really look at color i make it black and white most of my images I think I did I did something, I put it online and a series of street photography images and someone said, why are they all black and white? I always make them black and white. I think that looks so much better than colour unless colour is a key part of the scene. So for flowers, I can understand keeping colour in, but I wouldn't make a flower black and white. But I generally just edit for composition and I just sort of give it, I suppose that street photography look of a higher contrast, maybe I'll move the shadows a bit and I do very minimal editing. But for portraits, I do an awful lot of editing and an awful lot of steps and then a bit of Photoshop. So I do, for portraits, I do most of the editing in Lightroom and I finish off in Photoshop. That's another thing that I like about street photography, the minimal editing to get to a point where I'm happy. There's no point taking an image if you're not happy with it. And if you've got to do some editing to make yourself happy with it, then that's fine. But street photography, I do very minimal editing, which is something I like. Yeah, I think content is king here. So this is the same saying that that's in the advertising world, <laughs> where content is still what people are drawn to. And if you have shitty content, then uh, really good editing will not help the image. So I think it's always good to focus more on what you get in front of your camera than what you do behind your camera. I mean, behind, yeah, your computer in that case. We have a saying in the UK called, you can't polish a turd. Have you heard that? <laughs> I, I heard that. I think I heard that on your podcast, actually. <laughs> Maybe I'll say it more, more than I think I do. Um, but you can, of course, roll a turd in glitter if you want to make it sparkly, which is another saying we have in the UK. So we've talked a bit yeah. about street photography and our sort of approaches. How do you share your street photography or do you not share it? I'm someone who shares a lot of, of their work. Um, I like to share my work on Instagram mainly, um, but it's, I see Instagram 
as like my current portfolio. Um, not that I put only my best work. Sometimes I have um, shots on there that are not really like uh, work I would put on a website, um, for example. I also have a website, but I don't really take good care of it. Um, I'm all on Instagram really. And I like that um, that I can see like the current work of a photographer and uh, most street photographer I follow on Instagram, they, they are sharing their current images and I like to see like the progress someone makes and I see the feed as some kind of, uh, uh, how do I say, it's like a mood mood board, you know, and I, have a, I had a phase in, uh, in my life last year where I shot only black and white and that changed again, now I'm shooting mainly color and uh, I like to see it and um, see how my photography changed or improved maybe. So yeah, it's mainly Instagram and my website uh, occasionally. Now what's interesting is I don't share any street photography images and that's not because mm. I don't want to. It's it, it comes down to time. I'm bi I do a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I have a full-time job. I have a family and I do photography as well. And I can't do a podcast or a YouTube channel without doing photography because that's what it's based on. So when I get around to doing things and doing street photography, I, find, I just don't have time to share the images and I would like to share the images and I've, I don't, I have an Instagram page for the podcast, but I've never really used it. I think I've got three images on it and it just comes down to time, my lack of time and probably sharing being the lowest thing in the priority. So unfortunately I don't share images for portrait work. I do share images. I've got a portfolio up online and I suppose I put the effort into sharing the images because I want people to work with me. I don't really need that in street photography. I don't need anyone to work with me or seek me out or ask to work with me or collaborate with me because, well, it's street photography and I can just go out and do it. So unfortunately, I don't share the images and I haven't yet printed any. I'm quite into printing and I put an awful lot of images up on the wall, but I haven't got around again to printing any street photography images. And that's something I want to do. I want to put some up on the wall. I don't share, but but I think I should. Just want to add to that that yeah, you don't have to share if your uh, if your main priority is just to take uh, photographs for yourself and then print them for your wall. That's totally fine. What I like about sharing your images um, on Instagram, for example, as a street photographer, is that you get a sense of the community, or you see that there are other people like you who are on the street every day. And I think that's also. Uh, something that motivates me because I think without Instagram I would feel really lonely like I, I would ask myself like why do I go out and I keep most of my work for myself because I want to take street photography really seriously um, I don't want it to be something I do like on the side and just occasionally so I try to force myself to go out every day which I'm not doing <laughs> yeah if I share some of my images on Instagram I feel like I did my part you know <laughs> not that I feel pressured to do so but yeah it gives me a sense of of belonging to some kind of community because to be really honest uh, a year ago I I haven't really met any street photographer in person not in my hometown at least and I felt like I was the only street photographer in Hamburg which is not true um, but that's uh, how I felt like and now that I use Instagram yeah sometimes I get messages from other street photographers from Hamburg and yeah I think it's just nice to find a community in what you do 
No, I, I, I agree. That's a very good sentiment. A community is good. Do you think it's possible to make a living from street photography? Uh, I heard you asked the same question on another podcast. <laughs> I think it's possible, but it's not something I would recommend uh, to try out. It's more of a question of why are you doing street photography? If your main goal is to make money, then I would say you're probably in the wrong business. <laughs> I do share my work on Instagram um, and on YouTube and get some advertising money through that. I don't think you can live only on street photography. Maybe if you do workshops, that would be the only thing I can see. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think it, it's worth pursuing for, for any financial gains because you've got so many, there's so many challenges. And while I did ask you that question, I, I wasn't going to allude to my answer before you'd answered it. You've got so many challenges. If you take, I don't know where you stand, if you take an image of someone, where you stand with selling it for street photography i i don't know whether you can D does that person i know in the uk i think in the uk i don't know for sure actually i think in the uk if you take an image the copyright belongs to the photographer but i, I still think it's murky territory with selling a street photography image do you chase after someone and say or oh, sign this waiver so it's it seems at odds with street photography for me i always yeah. ask that question because quite naturally pe people want to do a job that they're really passionate about and they enjoy doing so if they enjoy photography they're going to want to do a job in photography i enjoy street photography but i certainly wouldn't pursue it um, as a way to make money and you're right there are other associated things like you could sell street photography equipment you could do workshops tutorials a bit on youtube you're not going to be getting that sports car though are you with the money you're going to earn from that no no i don't think so so let's move on and talk about strategies for social media i'm terrible with social media i don't know how to succeed with social media i'm not that good at it i don't know how to be good at it i put some tweets out about the podcast there's that balance of shouting too much about my podcast and turning people off or informing people i've got to i try and strike a good balance how do you feel you do on social media and do you have any tips for anyone? Mm, I'm still figuring it out. So I don't know if I'm the expert to tell you how to do it. Um, but I can tell you what, I, what I've learned or observed over the year I'm doing YouTube or the three or five years I'm doing Instagram. It's all about the platform, uh, the audience of the platform. So you have to know your audience. And um, for example, on YouTube, which is also a search engine because it's uh, connected to Google. And most of my um, views come actually from uh, search results. So, so my um, videos uh, pop up on Google. If someone looks for, for example, the Fujifilm X100F, then they might find my videos uh, through that. So I don't know any uh, tips for you. <laughs> for example, on Instagram, it's a re really visual platform. It's all about the images and videos and every platform has its own attention span. You know, so we had, I don't know if you remember, we had like a limit of 15 seconds for Instagram videos. Now it's up to 60 seconds. So the work you put out on Instagram um, should not be something that people really have to take their time to consume it. So you cannot upload a whole podcast and divide it into 60 seconds, chunks of 60 seconds videos, because then nobody, no one will watch it till the end. Um, but you can use Instagram to, for example, teaser a full episode. So you put out maybe a highlight video clip 
of some of the comments of the podcast and then redirect them to your main podcast channel. So this is what I would do. There's no real um, formula to be successful <laughs> on social media. And I think you have to be consistent and find a way to, um, yeah, always put out new content. Because if, if you only post like once a month, then uh, it will, of course, take much longer time to build an audience or gain any followers, if that's important to you. <laughs> I think so. sadly that's, that sort of thing's important to everyone, isn't it? It shouldn't be important, but everyone's bothered about how many follows, likes, etc. They've got. I think that's just human yeah. nature, isn't it? What's um What's your posting frequency for Instagram and YouTube, and what What do you want it to be? Yeah, so on YouTube, I'm really random about my posting schedule. Um, I just shoot a project, edit it, um, and then post it when it's done. So I don't have a set schedule yeah i wish i could upload uh, videos more frequently but of course if you have another job and youtube is not your main job and then it's really hard to find the time to edit and it usually takes me at least two days to edit one video and if you work uh, from monday to friday eight hours a day for example then it's really hard to yeah find the time to do that so yeah and on instagram um I post every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's because um, I looked up some of the statistics and it's usually the uh, middle of the week or the end of the week where the people spend the most time on Instagram. And for me here in Germany, it is around 1 a.m. in the morning. So I try to post um, right before going to bed and that would be... Um, in America, that would be like 8 or 9 p.m., which is uh, like the best time to gain any traffic. Yeah, so I post three times a week on Instagram, and but it doesn't have to, has to be like that. And have you found that's brought you success doing that sort of thing? Has that increased your traffic to your Instagram? I would say so, yes, but it's not didn't give me the boost I was hoping for. Um, what really helped me was really my YouTube channel because I put my Instagram uh, link to every uh, under every video I make. So um, last year, I think in August, when I started my YouTube channel, I had maybe like 400 followers on Instagram. And I think I'm now a bit over 5,000 and most of them come through YouTube, which um, was interesting to see. So yeah, I don't know. I, I, there are many ways to to publish your work on Instagram. I mean, to uh, get it out to a new audience through hashtags, for example, or through tags. That is another topic we can talk about. But um, yeah, I use everything that helps me, but I don't know what works the best. No, that that's fine, and I, I don't expect you to. It's just it's just interesting to talk to people about this and, and find out what they're doing and how they do it and certainly it will be of interest to, to to the listeners of this podcast how do you yeah. deal with negativity online some of the comments i get on my videos i don't actually get comments about the podcast I, there isn't really a way for people to comment but some of the, <laughs> the comments i get on my videos are oh really how do, what do you get and how do you deal with it i don't get that many negative comments which is surprising for me but um, 
more in the recent uh, weeks, I got some negative comments because of um, a video put out where we, I don't know if you saw my last video where I introduced a friend of mine who just got into street photography and he was really bold about his approach, just shoving his camera into people's faces and that, um, yeah, made people upset about it. <laughs> um, but I try to not ignore them, but sometimes if I see a comment that is, um, most of the negative comments um, are not really something I should bother really because um, there are issues that some people have that I cannot fix. I mean, if someone is frustrated, then, you know, every content can upset them. And I try to be always friendly and nice about it, but to be really honest, I don't really reply to the negative comments because, um, um, but when it's, uh, let's say a critique, um, then I'm more than grateful to get any feedback. So even the negative feedback, I take it to my heart and try to, yeah, listen to that. Um, yeah, but I don't have many haters, fortunately. You lucky person. I tend, to, I, my videos <laughs> get three types of comments. They get an appreciative comment. Thank you for this. I found this really helpful in which I always respond, say, oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you very much. Or, yeah. wow, this, this has helped me out. And I always respond to that. I'm not so inundated with comments that I, I can't respond. Something like that. Mm that someone's taken the time to write, I always respond. Then the other type is I get a question. I have a Canon camera. Will this work with Canon? And sometimes I know the answer and sometimes I don't know the answer. So I always try my best to answer those questions. And it might be sometimes I put, well, I don't know the answer to that, but you could look here or I, don't, I, I just don't know the answer. And sometimes I do know the answer and I can give sort of my thoughts. And and the other type of comments I get are, oh my God, how could you do this? The white balance is terrible. Why would you put this up online? The, I don't like the white balance. And even though the other types of comments I can respond to, I can't find anything, any positive way to respond to those. So I don't because um, what can I say? Well, I think the white balance is fine. I think you're wrong. And what am I going to get back if I put that? I'm just going to get, no, you're wrong. And I've got better things to do in my time. And to be honest, so is the other person. So I generally don't respond. I'm really tempted to respond to some of these comments, but I don't. And I'm really tempted to delete them as well, because you can do that. But I don't delete them. And, and the reason I don't delete them is I, I sort of believe in free speech, really. I think if people want to say something, uh, as long as it's not inciting hatred and I don't think you can incite hatred about white balance um, don't get me wrong then I, I tend to leave it up there and just sort of grin and bear it I think yeah I mean it's totally fine to have a different opinion and if someone doesn't like the white balance or even the subject matter it's you can't really do anything about it because everyone has their own personal taste and you can't please everyone so that's probably the main takeaway on social media and i definitely don't think you should try and please everyone because if you try and please everyone yeah. you will please no one including yourself so we've had a quick chat about youtube we've had a quick chat about street photography we've had a quick chat about social media 
Or do you think that a, a photographer today has to be on all these things to get anywhere? Do you have to have a YouTube channel? Do you have to have an Instagram? Do you have to do this? Do you have to do that? Do you have to have a website in order to sort of not make it as a photographer, but get some success? Yeah, the question really is, why do you have to have it? For, for what exactly? Because if you're looking for for money or just recognition of your work, then it's easier to get recognized if you're on all the main platforms or channels and um, just put your work out. But at the same time, you're one of many. So there's the challenge of really sticking out and be different. It has benefits for me personally. I be also happy to just shoot for myself and maybe do a book maybe once a year or every two years and I would totally find doing that but yeah I I got some opportunities now through YouTube and Instagram that I otherwise wouldn't get and for that I think it's something I enjoy to have um, people like uh, contacting me and you know be part of the conversation and maybe the bigger the audience is the more you really can do or you have more responsibilities and i find that to be something that um, can really be helpful for me it's really i want to um, spread street photography the love of street photography you know this is the main uh, goal with my channel and uh, i bet it's the same for you with your podcast yeah we all love what we are doing and we want people to love it as well and uh, many people don't even know what street photography is and I think it's really nice and um, really great if someone after a video writes a comment and says, um, you inspired me to do street photography. And yeah, that's really something I value a lot. If, if I see that I can move people to try it out for themselves, that's really nice. I think with things like YouTube and social media and, and putting your work out there, most people mm. in the world won't put their work out there i know there's 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 probably millions of youtube channels but most people won't put their work out there most people won't stand up and say look what i've done this week or this is this is something i created it's here to look at hmm. i i've done youtube and i've done the podcast simply because i wanted to talk about photography and i wanted to share what i knew what i was doing with people i didn't think it would make any money and it hasn't really made any money to be honest but it has given me opportunities to do certain things that I wouldn't have been able to do without doing what I do if that makes sense it has opened doors for me I do my YouTube is monetized but I really don't make that much money from it and my podcast cost me money doing these things there's something I've wanted to do so I've done them there's something I want to continue with sometimes they're a hassle sometimes I don't have a great deal of motivation for them that's the same with anything, but there's certainly things I want to do. And one of the benefits that I didn't see when I started doing it was the doors and the opportunities that would open. Don't get me wrong. I don't have hundreds of people banging down my door to invite me to here, there and everywhere. I, I have had some opportunities from doing the things I do. What are the benefits you've had from doing um, YouTube and Instagram other than sort of recognition of your work? The benefits uh, of my YouTube channel and Instagram are really 
the people I connect with or people who are reaching out to me. And I made some friends through Instagram and YouTube um, who I've met in person later. And this is something I would never be able to do without social media. So that's one real benefit I see on uh, being on YouTube or Instagram. I don't think I got really a lot of recognition to my uh, photography work. I post them on my videos when I do like, for example, street photography POV videos where I share my photos of the day, but they're not always the images I would post on my portfolio. So I don't try to only show my best work. So I don't know if my work is really the, the part that people want to see. It's more, I think, the community aspect or yeah, just seeing what people do in street photography and how they do it. And yeah, just to learn something from it. Speaking of um, street photography and what people do, do you have any techniques or any tips you could pass on? That's a great question. I get asked a lot, actually. Um, yeah, there are many techniques, of course. Um, where, where should we start? I mean, if you're absolutely new to street photography, then the first thing I would suggest is to just train your eyes to really see what's going on and that means to just know your environment and always look out for for moments and see what you can do um, not necessarily take a picture of it but just to be able to uh, notice something that other people don't notice and that is something that i think is uh, re really uh, valuable to have as a ability take your camera with you all the time um, i only leave my house if i have my camera around my neck or in my bag all the photographers uh, who have like amazing um, bodies of work with unrealistic moments and you always think like how did they get that but they were just lucky to be at the right spot at the right time and be prepared for it so yeah have your camera with you all the time and the rest is uh, just technical. I, I think the biggest tip I would give people is firstly go out and do it because if you don't go out and do it, you'll never do it. So don't worry what other people think. Go out and do it. Go somewhere busy. That's always a good thing. The, se the second tip is I pretend to be this tourist. So I make a big show of taking a picture of something and I'm not taking a picture of really what I'm aiming at I'm taking a picture of what's going on around but no one really bats an eyelid at this tourist holding up his camera I sort of seem to blend in and sometimes I'll, I'll sort of go to take a picture of something looking like a tourist and people will not walk into my frame really I want them to walk into my frame and sometimes people will walk through it and they don't care that they've sort of walked into my photo either way I can get a good image out of that without anyone knowing i've taken a picture of them yeah that's good advice maybe i would add to that that um there are of course sneaky techniques to be i mean techniques to be sneaky in street photography and uh, even ways to blend in or maybe be invisible for the others it's safer i think to be open about it and um, like you said just pretend like to be a tourist or yeah just blend in with the the other people um if if you are not inside crowd or maybe part of the crowd, uh, the people around you, then um, it's easier for them to not trust you. And if you're just open about it and smile and be friendly in general, you can also engage with your subject. And 
then you usually get more intimate and better shots. So um, don't try to be creepy. <laughs> we talked about creepy. One of the, th- yeah. based on what you said, one of the things I think is really a good idea is to get as close to the action as possible. You do need a certain amount of bravado to do that. I was, I was in London. Sometimes when you're waiting for the waiting for the lights to change to cross the road in in your favor waiting for the pedestrian light to go green quite a lot of people will build up waiting for the lights to cross and i saw something really interesting and i got my camera out and i took an image that i was quite pleased with that was between two people's heads so there were all these umbrellas up i was between the shot was between two people's heads they didn't know i do, did it because i was behind them but i was right in the action and i got a really good image I could have got the same image with a telephoto lens being a very long way back, but it wouldn't quite be right. It wouldn't have the certain street look. And I just think get in there, get as close to the action as possible with a wide angle lens and get your image. I appreciate not everyone will be comfortable doing that though. Yeah, that's uh, what street photography is about. It's about the street and about life. And um, I think it's, it has much more impact if you are inside a scene than outside observing it from the outside you know and yeah i, I don't remember the quote that bruce Gilden said but I, I think it was something like if you can smell the street it's a good street photograph or something like that and uh, yeah i totally agree with that don't go close just for the sake of being close yeah give the image some life we had a bit of trouble at the start and you probably won't be able to hear this in the podcast because i will edit i would have edited it out but we had a real problem when I was asking Samuel to sort of introduce himself. The line kept cutting out a whole host of problems. So Samuel, at the end of the podcast, would you mind, which we are at now, would you mind introducing a little bit about yourself and a bit about where people can find your stuff, please? I hope you know by now that my name is Samuel. <laughs> and um, I have a second name. It's Bintaro, my Japanese name. And uh, I was born in Japan. Uh, but I have a German father, so I am half German, half Japanese. Yeah, I live in Hamburg, and uh, people can find me on Instagram at lin.taro or on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Samuel L. Streetlife. Yeah, I think that's about it. Samuel, you've been an excellent guest, and I've, I've enjoyed talking to you, despite the technical challenges we've had today. Is, is there anything you want to say as your final thoughts? Yeah, I enjoyed it too. And I want to thank you for inviting me. And I hope I was articulate enough because English is not my first language. So I had to struggle a lot here. So I hope you... Your English was understandable. And <laughs> I I can speak some German, but I would hate to do the podcast in German. So your, your streets ahead of me in terms of being bilingual and well done because... There's no way I could have done a podcast in German. (laughs) We've come to the end of this podcast episode. I want to thank Samuel for being my guest and I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.